I feel like these episodes should have had a little more meat to them in their way. Like, I think they were both really interesting premises that uh, weren't quite as emotional as I think they ought to have been. Am I crazy? Yes. Okay. Yes, you're crazy. Great. These episodes are great. They were really good, but I feel like there was something which just prevented them. And I think part of it is just the fact that, like, the first episode didn't really happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, this is a... This is a problem with time travel in general, but when you have a story and they say, well, that was just one possible future, I feel like it undoes everything. Certainly, yes. And I, I, I do think that, that Before and After is a little bit weakened by the fact that it is a time travel plot. And But I think that why I like Before and After, and I, I will agree with you that I, I actually think Real Life is, is, a, is the better episode. I, I feel like Before and After is, is a bit thin. It is... I like it a lot, but it comes like the first 15 or 20 minutes of it feel very, very interesting and it feels like it's going somewhere and then it just kind of doesn't yeah. go anywhere um, and it kind of like stalls a little bit and then it kind of picks up again at the end. But I think that, that for me, uh, and maybe this is just because I have experience with Voyager and, and you don't, but I, I like this episode a lot because it gives us a glimpse of and it gives us the experience of of having Kess on the ship yeah. for the rest of the show. Yeah, because I mean this Because is, she leaves. This so, is probably gonna be her last the last Kess episode, I assume, or maybe there'll be a final Kess episode, but yeah, and I, I won't say exactly when she leaves. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's soon, obviously, because Seven of Nine is 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 rapidly approaching us. So so get ready for that. But uh, it, it is the case, I think that that this is a really good Kess episode. It's a really good episode for Jennifer Lean, and I think that yes, obviously, a lot of the emotional resonance of the episode is lost because a lot of it didn't happen. But at the same time. I like the fact that it gives us a glimpse of, you know, what Kess's life really would have been like. And I mean, yes, you could say it's a little on the nose that she marries Tom Paris after Bellana dies and then her daughter marries or their daughter marries Harry Kim and all this kind of stuff. But I don't know. I like it. I, I, there's just something about it that I like. I mean, maybe I'm a sucker for these kind of time travel stories, but there's something about it that, that really speaks to me. And I also think that, um, you know, frankly, I won't give too much away about this either, but the, the whole year of time uh, element of the episode uh, reoccurs um, down the line. So, so there, there's some mean? elements. They, they actually do it. Um, they show us the year of hell. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and we'll get to that when, when we get to it. But... Um, and I don't want to say it's like a year long arc or anything. No, no. Those are all those are all things we'll talk about when we get to it. Um, but I don't know. I I, I like it. I mean, I, I don't like know that the, I have much of a defense of it, but I, I just I like it. I mean, I want to be clear that I liked these episodes. These were very good episodes, and certainly, uh, I forgot what we had last week, even. But um, it's probably best that you forget <laughs> what we had last week, honestly. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being uh, churlish here. I guess. Um, I don't think you're being churlish. I mean, you're you're giving your honest reaction to the episode, and you know, I certainly don't want to say that. I mean, there there are people out there that will say that before and after is like one of the finest episodes yeah. of Voyager, and I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's good, and I think that um, it it does speak to uh, uh, an affection that I think people have for the character of Kess because she is a character that 
I, I don't think a lot of people take seriously, honestly. And, yeah. you know, one of the revelations of, of me critically watching Voyager, which is something I've never done, um, is that I really, really like Cass. And I really think that Jennifer Lean is a very strong actor. And I think that it was a mistake to get rid of her, honestly. Oh, and I'm agreeing. Uh, and she does very... I mean, I c- certainly of the major Cass episodes we've had, I liked Warlord better. I like the one where she has... Uh, the boyfriend. I like Darkling better, which is only sort of a Kess episode. But um, I mean, I guess what pisses me off at the end is it just kind of reverses itself because why not? Maybe, and maybe that's part of it. Like they, the episode ends because there's only five minutes left and they have to give it a happy ending. That that is certainly true, and I, I like I said, I do think that you know once the episode slows down a little bit or speeds up, depending on your point of view, I guess, and and kind of gets to that point where we realize what's going on and then it just becomes an exercise of Cass having to convince everyone that what's going on is actually what's going on and you know I mean it it does interesting things with going back into the history of the show even though the show has not been on that long but at this point it's got three three seasons under its belt so you know it's been on for a while and it has enough history to to sort of pull from you know reconstructing that first scene from the pilot episode with Janeway and and Neelix and Cass um, I think is a very interesting approach I think it harkens back to uh, the ways in which they they recreated um, Encounter at Farpoint in the last episode of of TNG for instance uh, to various degrees of success um, mostly centering on the fact that everybody you know seven years later gained some weight but I mean, it's nice yeah. to finally see Kess's father. After all, she's talked about him to actually meet him, and it is great to see that actually having a uh, having a baby is as gross as uh, the whatever that one episode uh, implied that it was going to be. They apparently spawned feet first from the back. Right, like there's a sack. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't really. <laughs> no, they're really running with Kess is kind of gross or weird, but. <laughs> Right, like, how does that even work? Like, I don't want to get into a big discussion of, like, Ocampin, like, you know, like, obstetrics, but I, I don't, I fundamentally don't understand, like, because I get, like, did, like I, I mean, I, mean, I, I, guess I, I don't want to ask, I, I don't want to ask this question, but I guess I will. Did Tom Paris fuck her back? I think Like, is that what happened? Of, I think it's the kind of thing, like, certain, like, I think that's how fish spawn right they lay their eggs and then the male puts sperm on them and they get fertilized so i'd assume it is you know there is a uh, there is a pouch on her back which you know accepts the sperm and that fertilizes the egg and then the the embryo grows in a pouch on her back until it's fully grown and then it emerges that was my you know and yes i thought about this so i'm very sorry so here's my follow-up question to that, and again, I apologize, but but one of the things that our audience really appreciates about Trek about is that we we go the places that we no other Star Trek podcast will go. Uh, we just have to be true to our own interests and our own questions about this. But is there a genre of Ocampin porn where men ejaculate on women's backs? I, I'm just I'm just you know because there's there's a pregnancy porn right like that's a thing. I mean I'm not straight, but I, I think that there are that does exist. So do you think that's a thing? I don't think they need it to be a thing because remember the caretaker created them, and so I don't think they exactly. Well, have the caretaker troubles, did you know? not. No, the care the caretaker did not create them. Oh, they existed. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it did. I. 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 I yes, there is Ocampin porn in which people are impregnating Ocampins. Yes, this is the thing. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to ask. Um. 
But I guess, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm coming around to your opinion of this episode because as we're talking about it, I'm finding that I don't know what the emotional core of this episode is. Yeah, it's very, you know, what if? Oh, wouldn't it be funny if? Well, yeah, she would marry Tom Paris. And, you know, why not? Let's have Harry Kim be her son-in-law. I mean, it, it seems that's less of an emotional core and more because it's funny to have a joke where – you know, Harry Kim turns out to be Tom Paris's son-in-law. You know, ha-ha. I mean, that that's, I think, about as deep as they go with it in some ways. I guess that it is nice, though, that, you know, because one of the things that, um, you know, coming alongside the, the events of, um, oh, what is that episode where Kess was thinking about leaving with, with the dashing? Uh, Darkling, yeah. Darkling, yeah. Um, that this is something that Kess has been doing this season. I think that, that Kess has been growing up and... You know, in this episode, that is made very explicit because she has a different hairstyle now. And she's she's you know, if you've noticed in the past couple of episodes, she's not dressing in that sort of young pixie way anymore. You know, she's not wearing the little skirts with the tights and stuff like that. She's wearing the the, the more typical, uh, I guess you would call them Deanna Troyish outfits. She is three Um, now. But yeah, no, it's true. She's uh, coming into her. I mean, this is the she's about at, at age three is when they are supposed to be at their you know, fertile stage, right? So she is becoming a woman more so than she had been. Uh, Darkling is certainly her socially getting to a point where I think we'd said, like, it feels like she's graduating college and she's trying to figure out where she's going to go. And, you know, she wants to leave her hometown. She just doesn't know where or if she's quite ready. So, yeah, she is getting to that point of getting older, becoming, you know, maturing, getting to a next stage. Yeah, and and I think that, you know, coming on the heels of Darkling where she was really questioning, you know, what she wanted to do with the rest of her life. Did did she want to stay on Voyager? Did she want to limit her experiences that way? Yeah. Is staying on Voyager limiting her experiences or not? And and those were open questions in her mind. And I think that, you know, again that uh, like the events of Warlord for instance where she broke up with Neelix under the influence of of the guy, but they kind of just went with it, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they that that happened, but it wasn't actually Kess breaking up with Neelix. But then they just kind of decided to go with it because it was something Kess they were brought, edging on. Yeah, yeah, like Kess is broadening her horizons and and wanting to experience new things. And I think part of why I like this episode is that it does indicate that Kess. Kess's decision to to stay on the ship in Darkling was was the right one because at least in one possible future she has a very full fulfilling life on Voyager. You know she has a a, a very you know she has an extended family. She has children. She has grandchildren. Yeah. Um, she has love in her life. The Doctor says at the beginning of the episode, or Doctor Van Gogh, uh, if you want to <laughs> call him that, um, with his horrible toupee, uh, is more like Doctor Van Pelt. <laughs> <laughs> That that Kess is one of the finest friends he's ever had. Yeah. You know, all of these elements are going into it. You know, she becomes a doctor, a, a, you yeah. know, an actual full-fledged doctor. Um, so these are all elements to the character that indicate that she was able to have a full and rich life on, on Voyager. Uh, and uh, and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's nice to see that at least, I mean, especially since she doesn't stay on the ship, that, that at least that it makes Darkling feel... I guess more retroactively okay to me. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, and it's ambiguous whether she, because uh, I, I do believe that having a family is something that is important to Kess. Based, you know, while in, and what was that episode? I keep wanting to call it the Endometrium, but I know that's not the name. 
Elosium? Uh, the Elosium. I mean, we find out in the uh, that episode that while she was not quite ready at that particular point at time to have a child with this particular person, that is ev- eventually something she wants to do. And it isn't clear if she would be able to have that if she'd gone off with a guy from the Darkling. He seems to like her, but not really, you know, necessarily want a kid in tow. Um, and, but at the same time, I do get the sense that Kess is a person who will be able to make herself at home and have a fulfilling life wherever she goes, right? Like, she's not good. She, very quickly on Voyager, it's something that's so different from anything she's ever known, but she very quickly makes a place for herself in several different ways, and she very easily integrates with the crew. She is that kind of a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think that that kind of alongside that, you know, this episode is dealing with her shortened lifespan yeah. or her natural lifespan that is just extraordinarily short by by the standards of everyone else on, on the ship in, in, a, in a way that, that makes sense to me and kind of feels real. Yeah. And it is something that I think it's a very interesting decision, right? I mean, this is a character. This is a type of character that we've never had on a Star Trek show before, a character that only lives for nine years that goes through the stages of life very quickly um, and I I don't know if her I don't know if like if Jennifer Lean had stayed on the show the entire seven year run of the of Voyager like would they have been able to pull that off in a realistic fashion or a fashion that 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 felt earned I'm not sure. Well, she, we're on season is it three or four we're on now? Jeez, you don't even know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> season three. Okay, we're on season three, so we've got another four years, and that would make her seven. So she would be, you know, uh, I I. I Again, it, it seems like roughly one year of, of her life is 10 years in human terms. So she would be someone in her 70s. And when we see her in her 70s, she is still very, you know, in command of her faculties and, you know, a master of her craft and ha- a grandmother with her family and kind of a thing. And, you know, were she to leave the series, at, were she to stay the entire time, that's where it would end her. She would end, uh, she would end at... Uh, she would end the series on Earth as, you know, a mature, you know, accomplished woman who still has now her twilight years ahead of her kind of a thing. But are they really going to put her in old woman makeup? I mean, well, like, there is like that. that. I mean, that is the that is because I think thing. that one of the one of the things that I think is interesting about this episode and, I, you know, I, I don't know if they would interpret this the way I'm interpreting it, but uh, that they make this reference to I think it's called the analogium or something. It's kind of like the the it's kind of like their menopause, I guess, or something. Yeah. But it it almost seems to me that that would have been a good opportunity to establish that uh, Ocompans don't get old, hmm. right? Or- like they de- they develop very quickly into what we appear to be sort of like yeah. you know a mid twenties adult, and then they go through this at you know when they turn nine or shortly after at some point the they, last they go six into this other biological life. thing where. You know, it, it indicates that okay, their 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 time is is coming to an end, and they they age more rapidly at that point. I think that that would have been an interesting way to go, and that maybe the doctors, because we haven't really talked about what the doctors been trying to do in this episode, and I do want to talk about it, but that you know the doctor's attempts to extend her lifespan perhaps had more to do with suppressing that biological instinct than anything else no no that makes sense you know just as yeah you know the what is it antioxidants make people age less so yeah maybe it's just they really just hit in the last couple months of life kind of thing yeah i guess that's i mean 
and again, in terms of makeup, that would have maybe would have been the direction they went. I mean, it's very clear that this is an episode that they made because they knew that Kess was not much longer for the show. I mean, I don't think they would. I don't ha- think they did, though. Really? Because it does seem like a, you know, as you said, let's get a glimpse of what it might have been and let's, you know, let's finish her story in a way, even if it's not real we can at least see one possible future in which Kess lives a long life among everybody on Voyager and you know dies surrounded by friends and loved ones having done ever done more than anybody she's you know she grew up with has ever done and I I mean I don't know for sure and I I have heard I've read conflicting things about this I mean I'll just tell you that that she leaves in the fourth season okay so it's it's very possible that they did not know and that they made the decision to uh, fire Jennifer Lean um, between the third and the okay. fourth seasons, like in that hiatus. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, so I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I think that that's one of the interesting things about this episode on a production level or on a real world level that even if they didn't know that Jennifer Lean, they were going to be getting rid of Jennifer Lean and the character of Cass – that is just kind of an interesting coincidence that they give her this type of episode. Well, because you know, so so soon, or I guess so before uh, she she leaves. Well, again, and see, because I thought especially this taken with Darkling, they're giving her possible endings. They're you know at least vaguely doing some resolution or showing her us possible ways that her story could end before they actually end it. That's what I thought that the point of those was interesting. You've been watching this show for almost three years. I know you you're still right. You're right. Think that they are that planning ahead. <laughs> you're right. You really, really, really are giving them the benefit of the. I one, was aren't you? really, really affected by Deep Space Nine. I guess, which I know it didn't even plan ahead that much in that way, but they maybe had some very broad ideas of where things might go. Yes, but yeah. Um, okay. I, yeah. I'm anyway. sorry. I'm stupid. No, I'm not saying you're stupid. It's just, I think it's interesting that you still really want to give them the benefit of yeah. the doubt that they're planning the stuff out like that when they aren't. I'm uh, just ready you know. to be surprised. Like season four starts and suddenly the show is good for the rest of Like, I know that's not going to happen, but what if? What if? Exactly. Well, I, yeah. And I, I, I think also that this is not the time or place to talk about this, but but we'll talk about it sort of when we get to the end of the season or the beginning of the fourth season because uh, the third season has been aimless. I think is a good word. Yeah, for it. no, that's so. A very fair but way. we'll 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 talk about that when we get to that point. So I do want to talk a little bit about the Doctor extending Kessa's lifespan, and, and, and I guess also the scene in in one of her time jumps where she does collapse in sick bay and her daughter is the one who was saying no you know we shouldn't yeah. take any extraordinary measures to extend her life tom paris as her husband is very um intent on this and it kind of gets to this idea about you know what is more important uh life like quality of life or or the length of your life yeah. and you know it's a question that we still ask today it's certainly not the the driving impetus of this episode I don't think this is this is not an episode about right to life or anything like that, no. but or right to die. But it's an interesting conundrum to put in this episode. Well, it's the kind of thing where it's not as if she is being cut down in her prime. It's not as if she's, you know, three years old and suddenly develops a very bad cancer that they need to do an extremely aggressive treatment. She might not. No, she's lived for 
as long or longer than she expected to. Again, she has, in a way, accomplished pretty much everything she wanted to. And, you know, I think you can view life as sacred and also view that at some point life needs to end. And really, this is, what, what more can you ask for? Again, she's surrounded by family and loved ones having you know, seen much and done much and affected everybody. And as sad as it is, there is a beauty in her, you know, passing on peacefully. Yeah, I think that's right. And and I think it does get to the core of something that the show perhaps was never really interested in grappling with, but it seems like it hmm. it wanted to be interested in it, which is a strange <laughs> thing to say. But no, I know what you mean. Because the all the characters that are not Okampin are part Okampin, and we don't know, like, we don't know what the lifespan of, like, the half and quarter Ocampin people on the ship would be either. You know, I mean, the the daughter is a product of a, a human and a yeah. Ocampin. She does seem to age, obviously, very quickly, but we don't know if that means that her lifespan will also only be nine yeah. years. Their their son, the, her, you know, Kess's grandson... Um, who was obviously a little gay, and I love him, uh, is... <laughs> well, his dad <laughs> is Harry Kim, so yeah. He's a baby gay. <laughs> um, that, you know, he obviously, he's like six months old, but he looks like he's like 12 or 13. Yeah. Uh, so he's obviously aging as quickly as a regular Ocampin or a full-blooded Ocampin would, but we don't know what that means for his extended lifespan or not. That, the you know, all of the human characters are, are very uncomfortable, I think, with the idea of Cass only living nine years. And to Cass, this is very... You know, this this is the way that their yeah. lifespan is. It, it's just normal. You know, you get nine years and that's what you get. And I also, I mean, I remember you talking about how one of the ways, that, I guess you were sort of retconning this or, or making sense of it in your own head. But you, I mean, I remember you saying early on in the Voyager podcast that you thought that one of the ways in which Ocampins could actually exist like this is if they did have uh, a, a photographic memory as as Kess seems to yeah right and so they can learn very quickly because all Ocompens have this innate gift and so I think it's an interesting question to kind of pit uh, those two types of characters at each other but I don't know that the show was ever super engaged with that as a question and I think it's kind yeah. of a shame actually and for Tom Paris, I mean, this does make complete sense he would have this view. I mean, Bellana is somebody that he loved who was, you know, died – she, you know, she legitimately died young for a Klingon lifespan. And even though Kess has lived her natural life, he's only had her for a couple of years, right? It's only been three or four years, and Tom Paris is going to probably live for another 60. So, you know, it is a very brief time in his life, and it is very – you know too short for him he he isn't really able to think on her time scale really and so and especially if there is this you know this is fanon on our part but if you're if an Ocampin really doesn't age until the last few months of her life well then he is really going to maybe be in denial of what's going to happen right yeah because if she if she appeared to be you know 40 or something like that or 30 i mean uh, uh, they they are doing a pretty good job of making Jennifer Lean appear yeah. older, even without actually doing any makeup. And actually, interestingly enough, her her new hairstyle um, partly was because apparently Jennifer Lean was sensitive to the uh, makeup of the ears, and so like oh. they they did that hairstyle. So they actually she doesn't actually have the ears on; you just okay. can't see it, which I think is kind of cool. But it also does make her look older, of course. I mean, the, yeah. the shorter hair makes her look quite a bit young, 
longer. And I, I think to your point about Tom Paris, it, it is interesting to me that, you know, you see scenes of Tom Paris and Cass, the old Cass, the elderly looking Cass, and he doesn't seem like put off by this or anything. I mean, he's he's effectively married to a 70 or 80 year old woman, but he doesn't seem to yeah. care necessarily about that. And I think that's nice. And I think that it, it speaks to sort of the evolution of Tom Paris as a character. We don't know where he's going to go, obviously, because this was a time uh, this yeah. was a time period that, that may or may not actually happen. But I don't know. It's 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 a question that the show raises in this in this episode, but but doesn't really answer. And I, I just kind of it's one of the things I wish the show had been interested in doing yeah. more because. And it maybe it would be difficult to do, of course, because Kess is the only Ocompan on the ship, and so she maybe she's not able to explain to them that nine years feels like a perfectly appropriate time for her to be alive. But at the same time, they do have some. I, I mean, Vulcans live much longer than humans. Tuvok, you know. Uh, uh, Tuvok and Janeway, for example, have a perfectly strong uh, friendship together, and they even understanding that they're going to have different lifespans. They're going to see different time scales and stuff like that. You know, maybe not as drastic as Ocompens to humans or Ocompens to uh, Vulcans, but you know, the, it, it's not like you know she is the first character with a different lifespan that they've encountered. That is very true. And I, I, I think that in general, like you said, Star Trek goes for alien species living much longer than humans. And, yeah. you know, it was one of the singular things that Voyager did was to create a race of aliens that, that lives a lot shorter than humans to, to a, a degree that seems almost ridiculous in a way. You know, like nine years is just not a very long time. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's not, I don't know, it's not super engaged with that, I guess, as a yeah. concept. And so... It is what it is. Well, I mean, you know, we had, for example, Sarek has had two wives, you know, due to the difference in lifespans, and they didn't really do much with what that actually means. And obviously in his second episode, it's about him at the end of his life. So, Right, right. Well, and, and I guess the last thing to, to, to talk about before we move on to real life, because I'm very excited to talk about real life, is this whole thing about the Krenim and, and the Year of Hell and, and what the ship went through. Um and the fact that, especially at the end of the episode, when they're kind of giving a party for Cass, uh, you know, they're asking her if they, they want information about yeah. what happened. And that seems odd to me because Janeway has always been a person who has been very, very insistent that uh, the the timeline should be respected and that knowledge of the future should not be provided to people in the past. So... What do you make of that? Well, I think they managed to hedge their bets in a way which does feel true to it because, you know, while they want information about the Krenim and, you know, let's get out of their space and stuff, um, I, I mean, let me – what at, at one point they mentioned, you know, Kess – you know, oh, maybe Kess is having visions of the future. So let's say Kess just had a vision of the future in which she got this information about this part of space that's dangerous. Um I feel in that case it would be patently foolish to still go into that anyway because that's what the future said, especially in a series that believes in agency and optimism the way that Star Trek does. Um, and so I think in that case, yes, you know, it's not, you know, we, 
it's it's a stupid thing to still go on that course when we know what's going to happen from that, and it's going to be very very bad for everybody. And uh, I mean, I I I think Janeway will take that particular risk to save her crew in that way. Um, anything more than that, you know, th- things such as who ends up with who, for example. Uh, or that the doctor has hair in the end of it. Um, you know, those she won't go into because those are, I think, more personal things. Those are more, yeah. you know, let, let, let's let these relationships happen. And, I mean, especially if we're, you know, we assume that Bellana is going to live because she's not going to get killed in that way. And so um, yeah, there's no – so that would be influencing them to tell them, I guess, in that way. Let that play out naturally. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And I think that's a good place to leave this episode. So we'll move on to real life. But before we do that, I just want to take this opportunity to remind all of you, the listeners of Trek About, that this podcast is listener supported. If you would like to give us a little bit of your money, you can do so at patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. We do have reward tiers there. One reward tier that you may find interesting, uh, especially coming up on this holiday season, if you're feeling generous is the $5 a month tier. That gives you one extra episode of the podcast a month on various topics. This month, we did a special question and answer session for all of those burning questions that the listeners had for Richard and I. And I think it turned out pretty good. So just go over to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now. All right, let's talk about real life, which you do not seem to like. Uh, It felt manipulative at the end. I didn't want to cry that the eight-year-old died. And I'm angry that I had to. I like, <laughs> like a. I applaud them uh, for doing. No, that. no, that did. I didn't think they would go there, and they went there. But it, I, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a degree to which I don't get this episode because, yes, obviously the doc. I mean, I don't know the doctor creating of hologram i mean let's be honest a fake family yeah i mean I, there's no indication given that the the holographic wife and the holographic children that he has created are are sentient mm-hmm. in the way that the doctor is right they they are basically just programs and the doctor has been a character in the in the last three seasons of the show or the only three seasons of the show that we've seen that has developed in a very organic fashion, even if he is not an organic being, you know, he has created friendships. He has learned, he has grown. uh, He has had a romantic relationship with a real woman and which they allude to. And I was very happy that they sort of had some continuity here. Yes, they do allude to it, but, but it, 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 this episode strikes me as very strange because the show has been pushing this idea that the doctor is a quote unquote real person this whole time. And what is the point of giving the doctor a holographic family for him to learn from? I mean, the doctor could actually have a relationship and actually have a family. Right. And, and so, well, he probably can't reproduce. Well, he can't reproduce, but there's ways yeah. around that. This is Star Trek. Yeah. 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 Of course. Uh, but at the at the end, like at the very least, he could have a wife, a real yes. wife, and that could actually be an interesting direction for the character to go. So I'm not really sure well, why this episode does that. Okay, now I'm going to have to convince you to like this episode. This is a fun day. Um, I this reminds me a lot of that episode where you know people are complaining about his bedside manner, so he quote unquote infe- infects himself. 
And then, you know, he's like, this is so easy. Why can't you do this? You know, oh, everybody complains about how hard it is to be sick. And then, you know, Kes actually futzes with the program and makes him sick for longer. And then he has to deal with actually being sick. And once he's actually dealing with it, he actually does understand. I mean, this is, yes, he's had a romantic relationship, but how much time did he really spend with her? I mean, they went on a few dates. They never left the honeymoon stage. Um, right. They didn't actually live together. They didn't actually deal with, I mean, of course they had, you know, the problems that they dealt with were were because, you know, of the problems with the Vidians. It wasn't because of, you know, when you are in a relationship, you can't control everything and things go into chaos and you do have to work together and there are unforeseen circumstances and tragedies. Um, even though this is something holographic, I think for the yeah, I think that means a little less to the doctor because, you know, they are made of the same stuff as him. Maybe they aren't quite as sentient as he has, but that doesn't seem to be an issue for him. And so... You know, I think this is the you know the episode does seem to me at the beginning he has this sitcom idea of what a family is and it's going to be so easy and you know after Bolanos you know helps reprogram it he deals with actual problems and immediately he wants to run away when things get really tough and the realization that you know humans can't do that you know just as a person right. can't you know put an end expiration date on the time they get sick. Uh, and, you know, if he were in a real, real relationship with somebody and their child did get sick and die, that would be something they would actually have to do. They can't just put it to the side. And I think, you know, for maybe it is a little late for him to have this realization. Maybe this would have been a better season two episode. But at the same time, I don't think it's bad that he does go on this journey because I think he does learn a little something from it. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't think it's bad bad that he does this it just strikes me as a little tonally off yeah. because i mean fundamentally speaking the doctor like i said is a real person and he would be i mean if this they they treat this as he is actually going home every day to this frankly boring family and i just don't believe that he would be engaged with this in any level. I mean, he is someone who has formed real friendships on the crew, has formed real relationships yeah. on the crew, has actually engaged with a real woman in a real romantic relationship. And yes, of course, they did not uh, fight and have issues and all that kind of stuff. But that's whatever. I mean, it, it just is... strikes me as strange that they they're painting the doctor as someone who was like extremely pleased and into this family because they're not real they're boring and but i think the doctor why likes... why would he be engaged with this at all uh number 1 i don't think he's been with the family that very long by the time he you know is first talking about it at the beginning of the episode it really seems like you know, he's played house a couple of times, and this is kind of fun. Oh, I get to go home, and, you know, here's three people who... I mean, let's face it. The doctor is a little arrogant. The doctor likes praise. The doctor likes, you know, being the coolest one in the room. And he's gone to a place where he is. Everybody's paying attention to every word he says. His kids are fighting over who gets to say goodbye to him. His wife's cooking him his favorite meal. Like, it's fun. 
you know, maybe he's done this only like three or four days at the beginning of this. And, you know, yes, he's going home and that, but, you know, but he's probably not spending his entire night there. He probably is just shutting himself off or going, you know, back to the lab to do a little more testing or whatever. And I, I, I think the episode is making it clear that he's not really engaging with it. He's doing the most on paper thing of having a family that he can. I mean, he talks about, oh, well, she's exactly what I would pick in a person. She's smart. She can do this. She, you know, has this, and these are the kids I would want if I have the, and not realizing that you don't get to pick that all the time. And that on on paper is not, you know, the same. And I think that is a blind spot that a lot of people have. It's certainly a blind blind spot that I've had in my life and relationships that, you know, everybody says relationships are work and you think you know what that means. But then, you know, oh, this is what you mean by it's hard. And I think he is recognizing the difference between the on paper relationships are difficult and the actual, you know, again, even this is if this is just a simulation of that, he's getting an idea that he didn't have before. I, I, I don't know if this would make him any more equipped to have an actual relationship, but it's giving him some ideas he didn't have. I guess, but then I, I just like I don't know. Like I don't have kids, right? And yeah. I have no interest in having kids. And I don't fundamentally think that my life is missing anything because I don't have kids. Um, I, I do certainly think that there is a theory of thought out there that um, having kids makes you less selfish and less focused on yourself. And certainly, there is a degree to which. You know, I, as a 36, almost 37-year-old man, um, am still able to focus on my own problems uh, because I don't have kids. And that is a real Mm -hmm. thing. But again, I'm also not interested in having them. So I don't – I mean, I think I'd probably be an okay father, but, like, I just don't – I don't want them. I don't have that desire, so I'm just not going to do it. And – I don't know, like, why is this episode arguing that the doctor needs to have, like, a regular family to experience this? I mean, I I don't know what this episode is trying to say. Like, yes, relationships are hard and families are difficult and kids annoy you and they're very, they die. Like, I don't. Yeah. It just seems like the episode is trying to say that the doctor needs to pile up bad life experiences, huh. which, all right. But But I don't know, because at the same time, he doesn't have – yes, he's been – I don't know. They're It's a little heavy-handed about that, but they have – there is a bunch of, you know – A little heavy-handed? With with the Voyager – okay, very heavy-handed. With Voyager as a family, and it's hard, and it's work and stuff, and yes, he has had this, but it certainly gives him a different perspective towards Tom Paris, for example. He's – you know, he – the doctor has never been so mother hen towards Tom Paris as he is in this episode because he is, you know, now recognizing the extent to which Tom's recklessness is worrying. And he is beginning to. I think he is understanding the possible loss of some of the crew members that he has come to care for in a way that he hadn't before because, I mean. Nobody that the doctors cared about so far has died. They've certainly been in danger of, but the doctor knows that, oh, I can always fix it because I'm the doctor, you know, and that's great. And I've, you know, anyone who's had it, you know, I can make a hollow lung for these people. I can do anything. And 
Well, I would I would disagree with you a little bit because I, I do think that his romantic relationship with the Vidian is yes. an example of him not being able to uh, cure somebody. And, and she goes off. And of course, I mean, he does. Yeah. The, the events of that episode are very interesting because he does this very innovative technique of essentially giving her a holographic body. And it's it's a fake out, though. And, and at the end yeah. of the day, she is still sick and she still goes off and she does go away. I mean, she doesn't die, but but she, I, he does he does experience loss. And I don't I don't know. Like, I, there's just but, something about this experience in this episode that while this episode is very entertaining and it's well written and well done, there's a there's a question in my mind of what are they trying to accomplish here? Well, number one, I would say his relationship with the Vidian didn't end because of the illness, but because of the uh, circumstances that are really beyond his control. If she had elected to stay on Voyager, you know he would have been, you know, searching high and low for a cure. If the showrunner had been interested in the Vidian arc, I'm fairly sure that eventually he would have come up with a cure for them. And, I mean, that, you know, the social change of the Vidians, that I think would have been an interesting avenue to go down but it doesn't have to do because you know he just can't cure her and he's given up and she dies anyway it's he just hasn't had enough time and resources to throw out the problem yet but as far as he's concerned i think he believes that the phage is something that he just hasn't cured yet in the case of his hollow daughter um it is very clear that no matter how many techniques and skills he and any other hollow doctor he can imagine have there are some problems he can never solve. I guess. I don't know. I <laughs> You and you began liking this episode and now you're feeling like meh about it and I'm actually defending it more. <laughs> That's fine. That yeah, happens. no, I this is why this is why we have a great show. I, I just I don't know. Like I, I don't the whole thing feels very engineered to me, and, and oh, maybe yeah. that's really the problem with it. Is like you called it a sitcom, right? And, the, and it is a sitcom. I mean, mm-hmm. the the each character has like a little plot, and it's a you know, sitcom. The son, that- the son has the plot of he's you know violent and disillusioned and has these Klingon friends and blah blah blah. And the daughter is just you know she's got this little plot of playing Parisi squares at a higher level than she is comfortable doing. And the wife is I don't know what her plot line is. She's married to a horrible human being. I, I don't know what her plot line is, but she's trying like, to have it all, career and a family, and it's difficult, but. Yeah, it was working women. How do they do it? I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's a th- sitcom that turns into a Lifetime movie. Right. And I just, it it's, I, like, what? I don't know. And, like, I don't believe that the daughter would die. Like, she hit her head. Like, what? I don't, mm-hmm. this is, he can bring people back from the dead all the time. Like, why is it? It just feels so engineered to get to this point. And I get it. It is engineered to get to this point. Bellana wrote this in yeah, such a way but then to you... have him experience these really horrible things. And that's the other part of it. It's like, did Bellana know what she was going to put him through? Like, it does seem that this is the absolute worst thing that could happen, that his, his holographic yeah. daughter is actually dying and he's going through this very horrible emotional experience. I don't think that Bellana necessarily wrote that in there, but... See the, now the, the random number generator, the RNG of this, as the kids call it, like is such that yeah, his daughter is dead, and this is really terrible. Why does he have to go through this? I don't get it. And then like Bellana just goes, ah, it's funny, whatever. Like I don't see you know number one based on the Netflix description, which is you know the Hollow Doctor has a uh, has a family, and Bellana doesn't think it's real. I thought it was going to be a Bellana episode because. 
I mean, the scene when she visits, you know, at dinner, she's offended at how perfect it is because she has not had a perfect family. She's not had a loving family where they all had dinner together. Things were very difficult. Her parents weren't together, and she has no contact with her parents. And so, you know, this is more realistic from her level. And I think maybe it would have been a more interesting episode to reveal at the end, well, yeah, I programmed all of those in and have it, you know, the doctor realizing that, you know, because Bolana hates the doctor. No, not because Bolana, yeah, not because Bolana hates the doctor, but because that is what a family is to her. Is this horrible thing where where there's pain and everybody's fighting, and you know, maybe a, a moment for the two of them to bond at the end, realizing that you know the doctor's version of you know family was too perfect. Bolana's vision of family was too dark, but you know something. The two of them are on Voyager together, and they are, you know, you know, the Doctor and Bolana have become family to each other, and that is a vision of family that is is good. I mean, even as Voyager has problems, it's generally good. It does elevate all of its members. Um, yeah, Bolana and the Doctor are better people for knowing each other, and. You know, I, I I do view it as a missed opportunity, frankly, for the two of them to comfort each other at the end. Yeah, but I think that probably would have taken away from the doctor's yeah internal struggles or whatever, right? And so I I don't know. I it, like I think you can make it be about still be about the doctor recognizing something in Bolana he didn't know he never noticed before. Right. You know, yeah, y- y- certainly yeah. it's a character trait of hers, but it's more about you know, he does end up becoming a better doctor because he realizes where she's come from and maybe some of what she's gone through. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I do I do like the dinner scene a lot, and I think it's interesting to compare and contrast, like, Kess and Bellana's reactions to this because Bellana obviously has the reaction that she has, which you just talked about, and Kess is having a very particular yeah. reaction, which is, like, polite incredulity, But at the I think. Sa- at the same- like, she's just sitting there, and she's like, this is not... <laughs> I'm just going to be polite and shit and nod and, and shake my and nod my head because like I don't want to offend the doctor, but I'm not having a good time. But she's not; she's very polite. Like Kess is very polite, and Bellana is not polite. And I think that's those are interesting choices for those yeah. two characters to be the ones that are at that dinner. She's viewing it as you know, if you do see a little kid playing house and doing this very thing that is not realistic, but it is a little amusing and endearing that that's their conception of family, and also. Let's not be said, especially based on the little flashback that we saw in Before and After, Kes has had a good family life. She and her father were very close. She did have a brother and a mother, and things were probably fairly good. She ended up having to leave, but she still has very good memories of her home and family. And so, in a way, an idealized family dinner isn't the worst representation of family. Maybe it's a little nicer than real life would be but that's okay because you know there are nice parts to family but i guess that 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 clarifies to me exactly what the problem is that i have with this episode is that as well done as it is and as emotionally affecting as it is at its core there is a they there is a a sort of through line to the actions of the rest of the characters that are not holographic that indicate to me that they do not believe in the the real emotional internal Mm. life of the doctor as a real thing and that they're sort of infantilizing him in a way and in a way that I don't think characters have done since the first season. And that's something that Janeway did in the first season that she was very dismissive of the doctor. She did not think of him as a real person, et cetera, et cetera. And 
that's not really something that Kess ever did. Yeah. And that's not something that Bellana ever did. And so it, it feels very off to me. Yeah, I would and you know, part of Bellana's reaction does a little bit come from the Darkling. I mean, she is she you know, scolds him a little bit for messing with his programming because the last time he messed with his programming, look what happened. And you know, she you know, she does want to keep him on a little tighter leash this time. I think she's saying like, "Oh, we need to tune you up." You know, remember what happened last time and you know, don't do this on your own. I'm going to take care of this because I think the doctor has demonstrated that you know, when he's doing this kind of thing, he needs a second set of eyes on it. Um which to me isn't necessarily infantilizing, but you're right. It is a I don't know. They they may be just It's not quite how everybody treated Data's emotions, but it is still of that same view where as much as they say that the Doctor is one of them and the Doctor is just like them, they still think he's different. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, leaving that aside, I mean, we've got a couple other plots to deal with here, um, which, you know, I don't think there's much to say about them. But the the first one, of course, is the very, very small indication that the Tom Paris Bellana romance is, is proceeding. Uh, how do you feel about that? At, at this point, it's, you know, it's a thing, and I just have to lie back and think of England about it. Lie back and think of Klingon music. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fine, and they're cute, and Bellana has a new hairstyle in this episode, so that's all good. Um, and I guess the other thing really is, is <laughs> this is weird because this is something that Voyager doesn't do that often, is that sort of classic A-B plot sort of structure. Yeah. I mean, for example, like the the episode we talked about at the beginning of this podcast did not have a B plot at all. Uh, and most episodes don't actually. But this episode has a B plot, which I think is very strange. And obviously it's there partially to have that scene, as you mentioned, where Tom Paris comes back from his experiences in uh, heaven, I guess. <laughs> and the doctor gets to berate him and it shows the doctor's emotional growth and et cetera, et cetera. But is there anything else to say about it besides that? I don't know. Not really. It's not really an interesting science MacGuffin in this one. Right. There's, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's funny because I haven't, we haven't really had to deal with that in a long time. But but if I remember correctly, a lot of times with the TNGB plots, I don't even think we really talked about them. So. No, I mean, you know, every so often there was one that, uh, you know, was pretty interesting. But for the most part, it's just. It's not that it's quite filler, but it, you know, it, it's it's an external action because Voyager is an action-adventure sci-fi series. And so we need an action-adventure sci-fi thing. And, you know, what's Tom done lately? Let's give him a shuttle. Right. Yeah. Anything else to say? Not really. All right. Well, I think we'll leave real life there. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trackaboutshow.com. As we mentioned earlier, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash trackaboutshow. It also supports our other podcast, Tuning In. We are still doing the third season of The X-Files, so go over to tuninginshow.com to check that out. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Truckabout is there. Truckaboutshow is our username. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for Truckabout. Believe it or not, it does help the show. Believe it or not, it does help the show. It gives us lots of exposure. All right. Next week, we're going to be talking about the episodes Distant Origin and Displaced.